You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode, very special episode today. Um, those of you who are listeners and watchers of, of everything that we do know that we have a partnership with the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Um, and it's an honor to sit with two awesome gentlemen today and talk to you about the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. But the partnership that we have today for today's episode is with the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, myself, and uh, Dead Center. So yes. my co-host today is Mr. Lance McDaniel. A lot of you watching and listening obviously know Lance. Incredible, fabulous man and has done some amazing things for the film industry in Oklahoma and is continuing to do amazing things. Um, definitely a huge part of Dead Center. So I will let uh, Lance introduce our guest. Our special guest. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mike. We are thrilled to be here. And um, as Mike mentioned, well, this is the 20th anniversary of Oklahoma City's Dead Center Film Festival. And so we've tried, we've been trying to do as many cool, creative things as possible. And one of those is we wanted to partner with the Oklahoma Hall of Fame because the Oklahoma Hall of Fame is the highest award that is given by our state. And what's great is Mike's This Is Oklahoma um, podcast is now in partnership with the Hall of Fame. And so you, so I've seen a lot of the different Hall of Fame members. Well, so when I approached Shannon, I said, hey, we've got a Hall of Fame member here that's a part of the Dead Center family, Gray Fredrickson. And, I, and, um, and she's like, oh, my God, we've been dying to talk to him. And I was like, well, great. Could we do it as part of our own 20th anniversary celebration? Mm-hmm. So we're thrilled to be here. And so it is my very great honor to introduce Gray Fredrickson. And Gray is a producer that worked for many years in Hollywood and has come home to Oklahoma and basically helped start the film industry here and then started a film program that trained most of the people that work in the film industry here. And so there is really nobody that works in Oklahoma film that doesn't have some sort of gratitude towards Gray Fredrickson for the impact he has made. So, Gray, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure it's nice to, I guess, just be in your hometown talking about things that you love doing. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real treat. Yeah. Uh, I came back here. It's been 20 years since I moved back here. And uh, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, they they wanted me to come back, and uh, well, they uh, the the uh, lieutenant governor at the time was Barry Fallon, uh-huh. and the governor was Frank Keating, and they were coming to California to promote Oklahoma as a film destination, filming location destination, and uh, they come out and have big parties for all the Oklahoma people. I spent a lot of money and go back. I said, but guys, you know, you're, 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 you're preaching to the choir. You need to get the other people to come to Oklahoma. Oklahoma people will come to Oklahoma. Yeah. And uh, so they said, well, why don't you uh, come back and run our film commission? Because we, we did Twister in Oklahoma, and uh, it brought in $13 million to the state. And they said they used a multiple of three. Yeah, the, 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 someone pays for salary to somebody, they take that salary and pay for rent, and right. then the guy that owns the place takes it and pays for the car right. payment. And so they, they multiply it by three. So it became almost $40 million circulating through the state, clean energy that didn't do any damage here. They said, we want more movies coming here. And why don't you come and run the film office? 
And uh, I couldn't do that because they, 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 didn't, they couldn't afford, afford to pay. Just <laughs> 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 getting right down to it. That's, that's yeah. exactly what it was. <laughs> it would have covered my wife's credit card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Ackerman McQueen Advertising Agency, who I knew them very well for years, said, we want to promote Oklahoma. We'll pay you for two years to come back here and help promote the state. So that's what initially brought me back here. I had no idea what I was going to be doing. They gave me an office up in Ackerman McQueen, up in that black tower. And uh, I was with this wonderful guy, Lee Allen Smith, mm. who introduced me to everybody. He knew everybody that... He knew almost as many people as Lance before. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is the king. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And... And I got a call from um, David Boren, who was president of the University of Oklahoma. And he said, come down here and teach your old alma mater. And so I went down, I met with them, and uh, uh, there was a guy named Andy Horton who was head of the film program at the time. And I said, I've never taught. I don't know how to teach. He said, no, we'll give you a teaching assistant. All you have to do is just sit up there and tell stories. <laughs> and basically, God, the first day I walked in, it was one of those stadium seating things. Uh -huh. There was probably 100 people in there. Uh -huh. I got this is a big class. <laughs> and I had a teaching assistant who was taking the role and doing everything for me. And, and that's kind of how I started. But I tell you, it was, I, first of all, I had to drive a long way to get down there. And the classes were at night, and I was falling asleep driving home at night. And it was hard. It just was, I wasn't, I wasn't loving it. Mm -hmm. And I remember having lunch one day in the faculty club with all the film professors who were talking about movies and stuff. And I said, so... What movies have you, well, we, we haven't done any movies. Have you, what, what sets have you been on? Not one of them had ever been on a movie set. The teachers, yeah. teaching. And I'm thinking, well, if you're gonna teach movie production, you should probably be have some background or knowledge in that. And I got a call from Oklahoma City Community College. The guy, the president at the time was Bob Todd. He said, that's what we do. We train workforce development. Why don't you come here? And so I went there, and for the first few years, I worked out of a closet. I got a company, uh, Sunset Rentals in Hollywood, to donate us a bunch of their old used equipment. And they sent it in, in a truck, and so we had some used lighting equipment, and, and uh, we bought one camera, and everybody, we bought a video camera. I said, yeah, video, you gotta buy a film camera, you gotta buy an Aeroflex or, or one of the big cameras. I said, it's not going to be film. It's going to all be, it's all going to be video. It's all going to be digital. Oh, no, it's not. Film will never go away. Never go <laughs> We now have about uh, 50 digital cameras and uh, no, no film. No, I, I bring out rolls of film and show it to my students and say, this is how they used to make the, they used to put them on this, this stuff here. <laughs> So and that's, that was 20 years ago. That's what I've been doing for 20 years. And we were just talking. He came in my office one day. I forgot that I had an appointment with you. I'm lucky uh -huh. I showed up. <laughs> I'm lucky you showed up. <laughs> you, you, he had come in from New York. I said, oh, my yes. God, he came all the way from New York. And I didn't, I didn't remember I had this appointment. 
and I'm alien fell in love with who who right. fall in love with. Right, yeah. And so we hired him. Our first movie that we did here locally, we uh, teamed up with a guy named John Simonelli, who raised money for a film company. And we made a movie with Burt Reynolds in Hollywood called uh, Cloud Nine. And Lance came out and just took over that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, well, how it started was I called, so Fritz Kirsch called me and said, hey, I hear you're getting into movies, and you should call my friend Gray Fredrickson because I think he's about to make a movie in L.A. So I called you. How did you know Fritz? Fritz from Jennifer, his wife Jennifer. So oh, his wife Jennifer and I were friends, oh, okay. uh, family friends. And so um, he heard from me, he's like, Jennifer told me that, and, and we still are great friends. And see, um, so I called Gray. We have a nice talk. He goes, well, great, come in today. And I said, oh, I don't live here. I live in New York. He goes, well, I'm not hiring someone from New York. I'm hiring someone from Oklahoma. And I bought a ticket and I flew in the next day and, and, and called and said, I'm in Oklahoma. Can I come see you? And, um, and, I, and, the, and it was the greatest. It was awesome. We had a wonderful conversation. And, um, and then I got hired on Cloud9, went out to L.A., and then we came back here and started making movies and right. been doing it ever since. He became a first assistant director, which is a thankless, horrible job. <laughs> oh, it's my gosh. Yeah. It's terrible. It's yeah. a terrible job. It is. I think first AD probably is the, the toughest job on a set. Uh, next to maybe script supervisor. That's yeah, kind of, that's a hard one. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. And immediately took to it. And uh, we made a little movie in the woods, a uh, horror movie. And then uh, you worked with us on two or three The Hunt. Yeah. And then we made, um, then we made Surveillance, yeah. then Souls Midnight, then Fingerprints. And there was no crew here. We were bringing people in from Tulsa, and we started training people. Yeah. And then our college, Oklahoma City Community College, with the courses we started teaching, we now in Oklahoma, 20 years later, have probably at least three deep in crew. Maybe, oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe more. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's amazing the percentage of people when you go on set that have gone through the program at OCCC. It's just, it's astounding. Even if they've gone to OU and other places, a lot of them go to get that hands-on practical training because it really is workforce development. And, um, and it's been great. Yeah. And the crews and the production people always say, we want people from OCCC. Uh, we don't want people from OU. They don't know how to, they don't have, they, there's a whole etiquette you have on set, you know, and uh, how to use the radio and just what to do and who's in charge and who to talk to and who not to talk to. Yeah. Well, so Mike was telling me he has a fun family connection with you that goes back to your early career. So why don't we? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I told told my my dad that I was interviewing you today and showed him some of the movies that you worked on, and he was. He, first of all, he said that my granddad, who's not with us now, he said that my granddad's favorite movie was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh, yeah? And he said that back, you know, spaghetti westerns were huge in the UK. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew that, but they were massive. And that was one of the things he wanted to ask was, did you realize how big they were back in the UK? No. Not no, I did, we didn't know it. We knew that the, uh, the first two had done very well. Uh, fistful of dollars and a few dollars more. And this was going to be a big, this was going to be the Hollywood style movie. But we still were shooting with no sound. People were dubbing it. It was, it was, yeah. was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy set. And uh, I was hired to take them all. I started making these little movies in Italy. And they, they realized that Italian movies didn't make money. But American movies were lying around the street for the theater for the <coughs> office. 
And so they realize Italians, they, they change their name to American names, and actors change their names to American names. <laughs> And they start passing their movies off as American movies. And I became the go-to guy to make American Italian movies. And I'd bring them over to, we'd shoot in New York City or Grand Canyon or Miami Beach or some landmark, Gold Gate Bridge. They love the Gold Gate Bridge. Shot a lot of stuff in San Francisco. And I was hired, they said, there's a shooting of Western down in uh, Almeria, Spain. Uh, another one of those uh, spaghetti uh, Sergio Leone watches. Uh, Alberto Grimaldi was the producer, and he called me. The, so I flew down with him. He, he went, we flew down together and arrived on the set. And I met Clint, and uh, Clint and I were the only single guys on, on the movie, and we just headed off and became friends. And uh, we were going to take the movie to Monument Valley. And we had a scene with a bridge that blows up. And when we blew up the bridge, nothing happened. It just a couple of things fell off the bridge. <laughs> so we did it a second time, and it, it still didn't blow up. So Sergio Leone and Grimaldi brought in special effects guys from Spain. I mean, from Italy to Spain. They said, it'll blow up this time. By this time, we're all yawning, yeah, right? No one's paying attention. And that thing blew. And Lee Van Cleef had just brought a brand new Mercedes and it was sitting on the set. A two-by-four went right through the door. <laughs> like, oh we were diving for cover. This bridge, there was nothing left. And I looked over at the cameraman and he was standing there like this. He'd been looking up at the sun. He didn't move. And Sergio says, hello. Uh, and they started calling out camera one, empty. Nothing. Camera two, camera three. Not one camera got the explosion. The guy had hit the thing. So the whole thing was blown up, and it was like a $100,000 bridge and a month or two or three weeks to build it. So they didn't come to America. And so we just, I just, we just stayed in Spain. But Clint and I became friends, and uh, I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I think I'm going to be a big star someday. And I'd like you to be my producer and president of my company. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, this guy. I've heard this many times I don't think, huh? Sam, you've been counting on that. And you know, we're still friends, but you don't turn down Clint Eastwood. And he's you saw him, he was nice to me. He had to see me, and yeah, he takes my calls. It just never was the same after that. It was like we weren't family anymore after I turned him down. So I ended up with a guy named Al Ruddy and uh, ended up doing The Godfather. So. Well, yeah, so tell us about never, that. Never, <laughs> could, could have been worse. Tell us about that little uh, indie. Yeah. <laughs> We had, we, uh, Ruddy and I were doing a movie called Little Falls and Big Hall. And so Ruddy's Albert S. Ruddy. Albert um, S. Ruddy, yeah. who was a producer. And I said, I, I, Clint and I met him together. Clint actually says, when people ask him, we, you, Grady, he says, I'm the one that introduced great Al Ruddy. So Clint takes credit uh -huh. for it. <laughs> uh, and I said, anybody that could sell a movie about prison camp, American being held in a Nazi prison camp to the Jews of Hollywood, 
this guy's a salesman. And he oh, sold it. Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. So okay. he created Hogan's Heroes. He created and sold it. It, ran, it still runs. Yeah. It still runs on, on things. And, uh, and so he's the ultimate salesman and a great producer. But he admits, he says, I don't know if I produced a movie. I, I've never produced one. So we did a little movie called Little, little Fawcett Big Halsey with uh, Robert Redford and Michael J. Pollard. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Lauren Hutton. And I brought to the production my knowledge of guerrilla filmmaking with the Italians, where you just you do it and then ask permission later, and just like, and we brought it in very low budget. And Paramount had bought the rights to a book called The Godfather, and they had just finished a movie about the mafia called The Brotherhood, and it tanked, it died. They said, "Oh my gosh, we've got this." This movie, Godfather, we paid all this money for this book, and people don't go to see, they don't want to go see Italian mafia gangsters. What are we going to do with it? They said, why are those two clowns that made that little movie cheap down in Arizona about motorcycles and let them do it down and dirty and cheap? And so that, that's how we got Oh, uh, wow. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, so then tell us how it was um, coming about to work with Francis, because that really then became your... Well, I had known known Francis because of all my Italian Uh experience. And he had been making movies, kind of like we were making them. He was shooting on the street in New York, a movie called You're a Big Boy Now with just running gun kind of handheld equipment. And before, back then, they didn't have little lightweight cameras and sound guy you could put over your, they had trucks and things to, and he was, he was improvising, he was doing that. And so a list of names came up for me. And I said, oh, I know, he's great. And so when I first met him, we were on an airplane going to uh, Vegas. And he had the big three-wing binder. And he had the pages of the book cut out on each side of the thing. And he, he would put in fade in, dissolve, cut to. And he was turning the book into a screenplay. He says, this book's too good. I'm making this as a movie. He says, and your first job as a producer is convincing them that it ain't going to be a modern-day episode of FBI. It's going to be period. It's going to be in New York City. That was the first, be- the beginning of our fights with the studio. <laughs> About, uh, and, and the budget went from two, one and a half million to six and a half million. Yeah. So, so from from day one, was it like this is not just going to be one movie? This is going to be. Oh no, it's just one movie. Okay, because it oh, turned yeah. into. You know. Oh, we talked about sequels. They no, no way, never going to do a sequel. <laughs> and then when they came to us for a sequel, we'd had such a horrible time on with second like second guesses. Every day we thought we were being fired. And so Francis says, finally he said, "Look, yeah, but here's my here are my requests, my demands." And it was that they. Paramount, the executives, Bob Evans, who was president, none of the executives could ever come on the set. <laughs> they had no say over how the movie was. He had final cut. He had final everything. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was so final. We were we were prepping in Lake Tahoe up in uh, Northern California, and uh, we uh, 
had everybody there. We had the cast and the crew, and they were building sets. And Francis walked in the office one morning and said, you know, we got the cameras, and we got the crew, and we got the cast. Let's just start shooting. I said, we don't have a green light yet, Francis. We don't what can they do to us? <laughs> okay, so we put out a call sheet. Next day we started shooting. And about three days I got a call from the head of production. He said, there's a rumor you guys are already shooting that movie up there. I said, well, yeah, unfortunately. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That's Godfather Part Two. Then it was, then it was like from 73 till 90. There was no more sequels, and we, Francis, I said, I'm never going to do another sequel. Yeah. So we did Godfather Part Three. <laughs> did that start early too? What's that? Did that one start early as well? No, that one started uh, on time. Uh, wait, but he wanted to shoot it all in Italy, mm. so we had to we had to build all the sets in Cinecittà in Rome, and. The production designer says, we could do this. And why are we in Rome? He said, every light switch, every plug, <laughs> every piece of furniture, it's all got to come from, from America. It all looks different here. Yeah. And so it was very expensive to, uh, to do that. But Francis loved Italy and wanted to do it there. So, yeah. so we did. Well, one thing I wanted to mention, Mike, is since you're since we are in partnership with the Hall of Fame, is Gray went into the Hall of Fame this past year, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Is yeah. that right? Congratulations, Gray. And um, and what was such a huge treat is that Francis Ford Coppola came to do the introduction because of their lifelong partnership, and he told a really fun story that I I mean a million people stopped me afterwards saying, "Here is how Gray Fredrickson kept me from getting fired on The yeah. Godfather." Do you remember that? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that was he was that right? The story That's he right. told. Yeah. He, 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 he remembers things a little bit different, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, they, 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 they didn't like, well, the first, we, we built a, 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 the set for the office for the Godfather. If you remember the opening of the Godfather, the, the, the guy said, I believe in America. And the Godfather sitting there like this, listening to him with the cat in his lap. <laughs> and we spent $100,000 on that office set. And the desk he was sitting at cost $12,000. He picked up the cat on the stages. I'll have that cat here. The cameraman, Gordon Willis, everybody was used to big Doris Day, Rock Hudson, Technicolor, yeah. bright movies. Yeah. And Gordon was shooting it dark and sort it's of this Yeah, yeah. You couldn't see the set. Yeah. You couldn't see the desk. <laughs> <laughs> and Brando, this was Ralph, yeah. with a cap. <laughs> so they couldn't hear him, they couldn't see him, they couldn't see the set. And they said, that's it. This, that, they, well, these guys are nuts. Fire yeah. them. <laughs> and so from then on, every day, we'd ride Francis say, are we still here? I said, yeah, we're here. He said, I'm forming WU Productions just in case uh, we get fired. It's called Washed Up Productions. <laughs> and, uh, but we never got fired, but yeah. it came close. And I heard from Ruddy, Al Ruddy, Albert Ruddy, who uh -huh. we were talking about, said, they've had it with him. And they've got this editor, Aramavakian, who was Francis's friend that he brought in. Aramavakian every night was calling up saying, He's, he's missing it. He's not getting it. I could do a better job. He was dynamiting him, his own, yeah, his own yeah. editor. 
I said, they're gearing him, but they had in France, and uh, the studio in Ruddy said, look at Aaron Malakian's movie. He had made a little movie. It's a little indie movie, was yeah. it? And so I told France, I said, they're thinking about replacing you with Malakian. He said, what should we do? And I said, well, let's on Monday fire him. Because they won't shut you down at the beginning of the week. <laughs> if you fire him on a Friday, then that gives them a whole week to turn around. So they had to keep Francis on, so we had a whole other week we could keep shooting. <laughs> and so Francis said that I warned him and told him to fire him at the beginning of the week so Francis would get to continue. So he, he gives me credit for uh, saving his Keeping job. Keeping job. Yeah. yeah. And then there were a couple other times they were going to do it too. The uh, <clears throat> Ruddy almost got us fired because he made a deal with the uh, Colombo family. <laughs> and that the head of uh, Paramount, <coughs> Charles Bluedorn, who owned Gulf and Western, and they were a big conglomerate that had sugar factories and, and things all over the world. And he um, was already a little you know, questionable. <laughs> and uh, it came out that the Godfather people made a deal with the organized crime family. He said, oh my God, I'm going to be ruined by companies. Stock's going to go down. So Ruddy saved that one. Ruddy, Ruddy kept us from getting fired. Yeah. Uh, but it was the whole experience was was very unpleasant and very every day we didn't know if we were going to make it through the day. So Godfather Two was not like that. Oh, it was our movie. Yeah. So well, on the cast, like I mean, that was one of Al. But does that was that Al Pacino's first big break? Like, did he have many credits before that? He had done a uh, he had done he had something park something uh, Needle Park Panic in Needle Park. Uh, oh, well, had he done Serpico or no? I was that no. okay. Panic, he'd done a, a Broadway show called a Tiger Wears a Necktie. And he had done a movie called Panic in Needle Park. Hmm. A druggy movie guy. But they didn't want him. They didn't want him. They wanted, they wanted Boots. They wanted Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> and they wanted Edward G. Robinson. They wanted Hollywood. Someone movies. gritty like Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I tell you. They, 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 they did not like our casting. And they didn't want Brando. Brando had a terrible reputation. He was like, he was broke. He had pictures weren't making money. He was trouble on the set. And Francis had to get on his knees and beg him to take. He did a little, he took a little uh, camera, Super 8 movie camera, and shot a little test with Marlon. And that's when Marlon dressed up like an old Italian and patted and put a pillow on his thing. And, put cotton in his cheeks and acted like the old they said oh well, he could do it so, yeah. so that's how he got the job well, well I tell you said that mouthpiece that he had to wear on set was, was, it was a big a, deal it was right? a dental implant yeah. yeah not an implant a uh, appliance or whatever sure. yeah. uh, Dick Smith the makeup guy had that made for him yeah. well so something that we had talked about earlier that we wanted to talk to you about was um Obviously, the Apocalypse Now was one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, you've done, you, I mean, you've just done so many awesome movies that we could be here all festival. But, um, but what we really wanted to talk about was you decided to bring a super iconic book to life and bring it home to Oklahoma. So, can you tell us about the process by which you brought Francis to know S. E. Hinton's book and and produce The Godfather? I'm sorry, to produce The Outsiders. Outside. Yeah, yeah. We got. We were doing a movie called One from the Heart. We were shooting it in Hollywood. 
And Francis got a book from, uh, sent to them from, uh, by an eighth grade class from a school in Ohio and said, Dear Mr. Coppola, and it was signed by all the students, we think you should make this book into a movie. And so he says, anybody know this book? And so he gave it to us to read. Fred Roos, my partner, and I, we read it. And, and Fred said, hey, great, it's your, your homeboys. You know, it's all Oklahoma. Yeah. I said, I know. So we went to Francis. He said, well, what do you think? I said, yes, it's, it's, it's a good book. And we could do it. One from the heart was out of control. It was big, costing a fortune. I said, we could shoot this in Oklahoma. Yeah. A lot less money than we're spending on one from the heart. And uh, I said, it's written by an Oklahoma person. It's set in Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma. Let's make it in Oklahoma. So that's how we ended up here. And he fell in love with Oklahoma. And he liked it so much that he got the rights to Susie Hinton's next book, another book called Rumblefish. And at the end of when we were filming, we were doing pickup shots for outsiders. We do in the morning. We do some outsider shots. In the afternoon, we'd be rumble fish. And uh, the actors, Matt Jones, said, "Which movie am I doing right now?" I don't know. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was crazy. It was we were doing two movies at the same time. Yeah. How did it feel to come home and, and I mean, record and you know, shoot a movie like that in Tulsa? It was great, except Tulsa wasn't my home. My home was Oklahoma sure. City. But it was it was great to be back in Oklahoma, and. Uh, Unfortunately, my mom had already died, and uh, my dad had moved to Palm Springs. So I was in Oklahoma, but I didn't—I I, I wasn't able to share the experience with my family. Yeah. But it was still great to be back in Oklahoma. And uh, uh, when how did the cast us? So those guys were teenagers, right? They were so all the cast is now the biggest stars on earth. Yeah. All seemingly got their start with you. With us, yeah. Well, Fred, Fred Roos was a casting guy. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, he found all the people of the uh, Godfather. He's very thorough. And he, he, they, they, I hear he's terrible to audition for. <laughs> because when you go and sit down, the actors come in with their thing, and here's my book, and here's this. And, you know, usually somebody will say, well, tell me about yourself. Well, what, what'd you, how'd you get your start? When you sit down with Fred, he just sits there and goes, <laughs> and the actor's like, as <laughs> <laughs> a kid too, because they were kids. Yeah, they were kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how that's his. That was his his mo. Yeah, and uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, because a lot of them, I weren't there. There were a couple. Leaf Garrett was a star at the time, right? So there were a couple, he or not a star. Music. He was a musician. He was a musician. There were a couple that had been I'd heard of, but um, I feel like the rest of them. Tom Cruise had only been in Taps. He had been in Taps. Uh, Matt Dillon had done what he done. He'd done one picture. One of the Bad News Bears or something like that. Pretty Darling, Little Darlings. Little Darlings. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie, uh, Tina Monell. The, the uh, Diane Lane had done that. Uh, Thing with Europe with the kids running away. What was that called? Not uh, red, but um. oh, uh, she was. Uh, they were they were in, in Venice. Remember, she and this little boy take off. And I can't remember hers, Diane Lane's. But yeah, but they were all pretty fresh. You no, know, they were all. No, no one knew who they were. We had a soccer game one day with the local 
girls' school. They got bad because they brought in ringers because we had all, they brought in all the stunt guys to help them. And stunt guys were, you know, they were yeah. good. But I remember sitting there and there was this one lady said, who's that guy? He's pretty good. Who's that guy? And someone sitting next to me was tough. Oh, he's nobody. His name is Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> she said, is he one of their stars? Yeah, he's in it, but he's no, no one else. He's Tom But so he played, he played, so... Um, so, so Tom Cruise, you know, when you Rob Lowe just came out yeah. with the book, right? Mm-hmm. And Rob Lowe's book, he says that at the time, yeah, yeah, Rob was soda pop, and he said that at the time, every all the other kids and him were playing, and Tom Cruise was super focused and like wasn't no you wacky know, hijinks there. Yeah, the, I, I, the hotel we shared, I was on the same floor with all the the kids, <laughs> and we come all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by law. I want the girls were on the floor. Lined up along the hall, waiting to get in. They were knocking on doors, and the guys opened. All right, you come on in. <laughs> they were shooting fire extinguishers through keyholes yeah. in the doors. It was a rowdy. I finally moved out because I couldn't sleep because they were up partying all night long, and they were wild parties. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roadhouse. Swayze. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Oh, Patrick, and uh, he was the oldest brother of the family, yeah. right? Yeah. God, he was awesome. And the only person that you never saw was Tom Cruise. He was always off by himself. He's either working out or he's reading or he's studying. He never hung out with them. He never did anything. And we all said, he's, that, that kid's <laughs> got to be, he's yeah. got to make it. Well, because his acting in it, everyone is great in it. Ralph yeah. Macchio, C. Thomas Howe, you know, every, every single person yeah. in it gives an iconic performance, and so he doesn't really stand out, but everyone now talks about how he was very different. Totally, totally not part of the pack. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? To see, like, you know, I, I rewatched it last night, and it's like, he doesn't have that, the, he doesn't have a giant role, he, doesn't, he comes in every now and then, doesn't he? But you're like, oh, that's, oh, that's Tom Cruise, there's a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you, know, you mentioned Apocalypse Now like my dad said he was 16 when that came out and he'd never seen anything like it and that yeah. was like you know you got that scene with the, the Valkyrie scene everyone's flying in and the music's blaring and that was the first on. time that uh, that was the first time that surround sound yeah. was yeah. introduced it was Walter Murch designed that whole thing and so Francis could be cool have the helicopter you'll hear him coming over from behind you and and now everybody, everybody has but, it. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. didn't exist back then. Yeah. To hear one of those helicopters is great, but to hear, you know, 10 of them yeah. coming over the top of you. Well, so tell them, so the Hall of Fame, and you mentioned this earlier, Mike, when we were talking, the Hall of Fame also has a series of books, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, and um, they are writing a book with you about your life, but I got to read a, a precursor of that when I worked for you in 2004. So a handful right, of yeah. years, so you 16 know what years happened? ago. When I came back, Still on it. <laughs> in California, no one cares who the hell I am. I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, That's the real a tiny, tiny fish. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was a tiny fish in a giant ocean. Yeah. And it, it, it Hollywood is a young people's business, so I, they said, what? what? They, they didn't know what Godfather was. These, all the new studio heads, all these young kids, they all looked like they were 14. And the agents and the studio executives and the young directors. And uh, Noel was saying, oh, God, you should write a book. So when I came back here, after I'd been here a while, people would say, you should write a book. you got great stories. And so Lee Allen Smith, this guy that I was sharing an office with, set up a lunch with me with a guy named 
Bob Burke. Mm -hmm. Bob Burke had written a book about Wiley Post. And uh, he knew me because my dad was a uh, partner with Wiley Post. He raised the money for Wiley Post's mm -hmm. flights. And he was his manager. So he had written about my dad in the book, so he knew who I was. And he said, I wanna, I'll write your book. That's what I do. I write books for Oklahoma people. I said, mm -hmm. cool. You can write it. And he said, just start talking into a tape recorder and then give it to my girls in the office and they'll transcribe it. And that's how we'll start. And so I did that. And then I gave it to the girls in the office and I started reading it. And it said, I, um, ooh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, you know, and, and I'm, what, it, they wrote down every single word that I said. And all the names were spelled wrong and everything. And so I started correcting it. And I started, and I was just getting computer literate about that time, in the early 2000s. And all of a sudden I said, well, I've just written two or three chapters. And just about that time, unfortunately, Bob Burke's son had died. And so he kind of went off the radar. So I just kept, and once in a while I'd sit down and I'd, write a story, think, things that happened, crazy things that happened on this, this insane journey of mine through Hollywood. And uh, I, I called it a, an Oki and a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome. I've it read is, it, yeah. yeah. No scandal and still totally awesome. Yeah. I've heard uh, uh, friends and, and who know you and, and heard some of your stories told me to ask about the uh, Charlie Sheen trying to peek through a window to see somebody not wearing any clothes as a little boy, something like that. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, that was on Apocalypse Now. We had, we, had, uh, we had three little, we were on a little sort of lake by the river where we were filming. And Charlie, uh, Bart, Martin and Janet Sheen and the three kids, uh, Irene and, 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 and uh, Martin, uh, Emilio and Charlie. Emilio and Charlie. We're all in this little house. And the next door I was with my girlfriend. And then next to me was Marlon Brando. Pretty salty house. Yeah. Neighborhood. neighborhood. A bad neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to grab some milk real quick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Brando showed up late. I mean, he didn't work for the first few months. <laughs> And I had it was it was it was it was miserable because it was very humid and, and sticky and uncomfortable and no air conditioning and terrible food and bugs and and uh, matter of fact we hired our own chef and brought in our own freezers and set up our own kitchen and it was still bad it was still <laughs> it was still I, I, I lost so much weight and I remember one time I said I'm just going to have a salad. And I'm sitting down, and the lettuce started moving. It was a bug moving. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's it. So I went home, and I had a Chef Boyardee. Remember those? Of course. I got the can. And I started opening the can, and bugs come crawling out of the uh. out of a sealed can. How did they get in there? I don't know. So that's what we were dealing with. It was very unpleasant. But we got to about once a month, we'd get R&R &R in... Hong Kong, and we get on, it was like an hour flight, and we fly to uh, Hong Kong and stay at the Peninsula Hotel with wonderful hot baths and clean sheets, and right 
downstairs in the lobby was a C's candy store. And C's chocolates are my favorite. And so I would buy two or three boxes of C's and bring them back. And then I would ration them off to myself. I, I'd keep them in the refrigerator. And everybody do, don't touch Gracie's. Because you can't go on the next trip. There was yeah. no way of me. Yeah. And so every time I'd have one piece, I'd say, should I have a second piece? It was like, <laughs> it was heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Having this chocolate. And Van, Marlon Brando had just arrived. And we were friends because we'd done The Godfather. And we'd worked together on a movie years before called Candy. Mm-hmm. And so I had known him from that. And so he... I guess he, if he likes anybody, he liked me. He was always nice to me. I came home, and it, Wednesday night, they had a show called Rich Man, Poor Man, uh-huh. TV series. Nick Nolte on TV. And everybody, I would go home, and I'd get on my bed, and I'd watch Rich Man, Poor Man, and I could have a seize <laughs> So I came home, and I walk in the bedroom, and there is Marlon Brando and my girlfriend sitting at the foot of the bed playing backgammon. And he's this big. And he's eating my seas cake. <laughs> the biggest insult. Thinking, By the handful. <laughs> yeah, not a piece at a time. And I said, show some balls. Tell this guy, get the hell out of my house. I said, it's Marlon Brando. I can't do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they uh, the boys next door used to come over and peek through the window and try to catch Barbara, my girlfriend, coming out of the shower. <laughs> and one morning I got a knock on the door, and it was uh, Janet. And she said, You've got, this is unacceptable. you got to come with me. I said, it's Sunday morning, Janet. You, come with me. So we get in the car, and we drive down to the set of the temple. It's the big temple for the finale of the movie. Where, where Marlon Brando is yeah. and all of his people are. And we walk in and it's a garbage dump. It's, and what the art department had done is they had gotten the garbage trucks mm. in Manila to come out and dump all the trash on the set. Because he said it wanted to be authentic and have the feel of just being... And the what, smell. <laughs> this was terrible. It was terrible. It was like a, it was yeah. a garbage <laughs> And she said, there's rats running. This is not healthy. I'm not going to let Marty work here tomorrow. So I had to get hold of the production designer, bring him in. I said, we got to clean it up. So we hired a bunch of guys in trucks, and they came in and started cleaning it up. When they were doing that, the prop guy said to the production designer, should we tell him about the bodies? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What bodies? Never mind, never mind. I know them. <laughs> they had gotten, they had found a guy in Manila who said he could give them bodies that he would take, he delivered bodies to medical schools for cadavers. He said, I'll just bring them out for you guys. <laughs> so they took me into this tent, and there's like 15 oh. just gray dead cadavers laying. I said, we can't have dead bodies. <laughs> and and I said, Francis, you, you know about these? Like, no, 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 I, I don't know anything about <laughs> yeah, He knew about it. <laughs> I'm only the director. Yeah. What, what do I know about awesome-looking bodies? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's so lifelike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So the military shows up because <laughs> they found out. Right. And, and they said, uh, 
this guy was robbing graves. He wasn't selling them. He was, he's in jail. <gasps> and he said, and also, how do we know you didn't have these people killed? They took our passports. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm never leaving the Philippines. I'm here forever because of these bodies. Wow. And it took about a week or so to get it sorted out. Every night I was wondering, I was never going to be able to leave the Philippines. Well, one, so there's a story in the book, Anoki and a Ferrari, I believe, that talks about you had taught water skiing early on in your career to someone in Spain who ended up being helpful for the Valkyrie scene. Isn't that right? He was actually my roommate. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my roommate was a Russian prince in Switzerland. <laughs> and yeah. we, he, he was, we shared a little house. And his best friend was Juan Carlos. And uh, Juan Carlos used to hang out with us. And uh, Juan Carlos, an Italian, another Italian count, Giovanni Volpi, all these, uh, I was in the, with all these jet set people in Lausanne, Switzerland, going to school. I, I couldn't even speak French when I first arrived there. But I got to know them all because of water skiing. And that was just taking off in, in Europe, water skiing. And they were, all, all the wealthy jet set royalty, they were all buying these very expensive, beautiful boats and all learning to water. So you had to be rich. And they had a water ski club. And so I would go down and hang out at the water ski club and just, you know, have a Coke and watch them all water ski. And one day when I was, I said, would you like to come on the boat with us? Someone said, well, would you like to ski? Would you, would you, would we do? Yeah. I said, yeah. And you know, I'm skiing barefoot and backwards and all that skiing. <laughs> Through the spins and, and, and all of a sudden I was their best friend. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> and that's how I got to meet all these kids. Yeah. So when we were in Philippines trying to get the, the uh, helicopters, I was there for like three weeks. Couldn't I get, get past this Minister of Tourism to the Minister of Defense to the Minister. Couldn't get anywhere. I was getting lots of run around, lots of stories. And I ran into Giovanni Volpi. The, the guy was partners yeah. with the Juan Carlos and Zhu, my Russian friend. And he, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're, we're making a movie. Uh, and he had heard me. He, he, do, he, he, do, he remembered I'd done The Godfather. And uh, so he said, well, come with me for dinner tonight. And I go out to meet him. And, and there's just these cars with flags up on the front fender. <laughs> Whoa, this is... And we go to the Malk... Come on, the, the uh, Marcos's palace, <laughs> and go in there have this big dinner with a turkey and a ham and all roast beef, and, and there's about 10, 15 people, Marcos and Amelda over there. <laughs> and about halfway through dinner, uh, Giovanni said, uh, Gray did The Godfather, and uh, they're here, and they want to do a movie here in your country, and they need some helicopters. Who's he talk to? He said, Talk to this guy, and he hands me a piece of paper. The guys called me the first thing in the morning. He said, whatever you need. <laughs> that's how we got to hell. And that's, that's how, how you produce yeah. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works over there. That you know somebody you know that's how it works everywhere. That's how it works. Right, yeah. But now their helicopters flew. They were all broken down. And so we had to go to Bell Helicopter in Fort Worth. And we brought guys over mechanics and, they, and bring, send it over parts. As soon as we get one of their helicopters working, it would take off to go fight the war down in Mindanao. 
And so we were having a hard time keeping yeah. those helicopters. But we got their whole air force up and running. <laughs> that's why he wanted Where to the meet. That's why one he wanted to speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. yeah. He's like, yeah, here, yeah, I'll call you tomorrow and you'll build my army for my air force for me. Well, so, so, so there's something I want to bring up real quickly, if it's all right. Um, the, so your legacy, and I don't want to get too emotional because you are the, I mean, so my first job in film was working for you and you have been absolutely the greatest mentor, not only for me, but for everyone in Oklahoma. And, um, and so it is interesting to me that despite what the world knows is your legacy making these, producing these awesome movies, I think the legacy here will be that there's 3,000 people in the Oklahoma film industry that are only here because you decided to come home and teach others the skill that you had learned. Is there 3,000? I think at this point, I mean, you've been at here, it's been 20 years. 20 years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's thousands, and even you know, and even people from OU that come and take the classes and stuff. And so, to me, it is so interesting because our film festival. This is our 20th year, yeah. and the films that we get at our festival are so different now because you started this school, and because you started that school, OU reinvested in their school, OCU reinvested in their yeah. school. You know, and so it inspired all these great programs that we now have a lot of really good university programs. But I think all of that went back to you were willing to. You could have just retired on a beach, and instead you came home and decided to change the world here and so thank you for changing our world well you're welcome i think i was just the right place at the right time uh and i didn't want to retire well, I would have been, you know uh, and I couldn't afford it. I had two young kids. I had well, and now they're both great filmmakers. And, and, uh, well, <clears throat> and so his son, Tyler, <clears throat> helped make a movie that won Dead Center a few years ago. Even he still has a picture of you and him on his dresser. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, he was my assistant on a couple of movies, but then yeah. he and a group, of, he's part of a film company that made a movie called Even in Death that won Best Oklahoma Film a few mm -hmm. years ago. And then your daughter, what's she up to now? She works for Skydance, okay. ah. and Skydance is owned by Ellison, you know, and uh, they do all the Tom Cruise and uh, Mission Impossibles and uh, the Top Guns, yeah. and uh, they got a lot of television shows, and uh, she's the uh, uh, senior office production coordinator, mm -hmm. and she's got a job, she's got her own assistant. She's got her own office with a nice view of Santa Monica. And, uh, and so I was talking to her one time. She's coming back here in a couple oh, of good. weeks. I'll get to see her. And I was saying, so uh, do they know your connection to me? She says, no one knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she was on Chef's Table for all those seasons, wasn't she? Chef's Table, and then yeah. she did... Uh, she, she, she was all on her own. She went to Hollywood. She said, I'm a California girl. I said, you were nine when you moved here. Yeah. No, I'm a California girl. So she could hardly wait to get back. She loves California. Well, she's pretty like her mom and smart like her dad. It's a perfect combo for L.A. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she's got that L.A. look, the long yeah. hair and the tan. She's awesome. She worked, she, worked, she, she worked on one of our films. Yeah. And then she came back and was a production or, or an art department coordinator on Light from the Dark Room. That's right. She worked And it was spectacular. So she's just, I mean, I, I can't wait till job. she wins an Oscar. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, she, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Forgot what I was going to say, but uh, yeah, she uh, she's doing very well, and uh, I uh, I think that I mean, it's hard to get. You see a certain plateau in this business, and you've got to be very lucky, as I was, because I latched on to somebody that 
consumer. Right. And I latched on first to Clint, and that opened doors for me. Mm. Then I latched on to Al Ruddy, and that opened doors for me. And then I latched on to Francis, and of course, you know, you call up any agent or anybody, any studio, and say, I'm Francis Coppola's producer. They take your call. <laughs> to be in production, she's in a wonderful position, a nice company, but I hope she real. and I tell her all the time, you, you, you know, become Tom Cruise's best person. Yeah. Me, so I don't have time, to, I don't have time to do that. I'm working all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I'd say, it's a, it's a strange business, and, and I think that, what I tell my students that it's all about leverage. You've got to have something that somebody wants. Right. And uh, if you've written a script and you're going around and say, do me a favor and read my script, it isn't the same thing as having someone come and say, you've got to read Lance's script. And have the companies, can I right. read your script? All of a sudden, you're in the driver's seat. You've got the leverage. And that's what. I hope she, I've pounded it into her, I hope she gets it one of these days. Yeah. So, growing up here, right, you grew up here, and what what was it like to go to go to L.A. from growing up in Oklahoma? Because I can't imagine what it's like now. Like, you know, going well, back I, there. I, I went to Europe uh -huh. and uh, went to school and then fell in love with Europe and I stayed there and ended up getting a job in Italy yeah. working for an engineering company. And living in Italy, all the Americans hung out together at certain couple of restaurants and bars. And most of them were movie people. Mm. The runaway productions in Italy in the 60s. And that's how I got into the movie business. Gotcha. I said, well, that's a lot more fun than drawing, sitting at a drafting table. All <laughs> and, uh, but my dream, everybody used to say, what do you want to do when you grow up? And uh, I said, I don't know. I just... I'd like to arrange my life to be one big long summer vacation. That's what I, that's what I'd like. If yeah. I could figure out how to do that, I'll be happy. When I went with Clint back to LA and I got off the airplane and I could smell the orange, it was January, and the sunshine and the orange blossoms and the shiny cars and the beautiful girls in bikinis. And I said, this is it. <laughs> I have died and gone to heaven. This is my, and I said, if I could live here yeah. and make a living here, and all I need to do is make a living. I can just make enough money to live here. I'm here forever. Yeah. And uh, I got lucky and was able to stay there for 40 years. Yeah. And lived in Beverly Hills and had a wonderful house and, uh, and uh, just everything, everything was, I was just very lucky. Yeah. I just, everything That's fell in line for me. Special. I mean, I kind of, you know, going, it's, you, you, you're not going there fresh, right? You know, you like, you went to Italy and you, you learned all your things and got in. Well, I came there with Clint. Going, that's what I mean. Yeah, not like going there fresh, like, no, you know, I like didn't, just yeah. graduating I didn't come in on the bus and say, where's the why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's great, great experience to have. <laughs> do you wish some people would do that now? Some, is it like people coming out of OU that are in school or, you know, people well, are teaching now? Yeah. Are they going to Europe instead or is it? Is oh. it? No, no, they're not going to Europe. They're no. going to Hollywood. Yeah. A couple of kids from Well, no, Bat, you can't. Bat you couldn't get a permit. You couldn't get a visa. You couldn't get any of that stuff. Did, Matt Payne. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Cannon. Daniel Schaefer. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Yeah. For real. A lot of our, our former students are out there now doing yeah. doing things. And working. OU students have actually, there, there are probably more OU students that go to L.A. to work than okay. stay here. 
you know. I mean, so they all go out and work with uh, Hot Lowry. Hot Lowry and uh, yeah, Mickey Liddell. And then they work with Mickey. I think some of them, yeah. Yeah. But the goal now is like with with Oklahoma film industry growing now, right? Like all these three thousand people plus that you've been right. training, like everybody now wants to work from home and would love to bring things. So last year we had a great, you know, I know Rachel and Matt went yeah. to the you know went to the Capitol and worked very hard to get some movement. You know, what, what's the future and what would you like to see, you both of you see in, in Oklahoma film and with Dead Center? You know, where's, where's this going? Because we all know this is just the beginning, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, 20 years ago was the beginning. I think now that that bringing we, we, sets that, here and movies here. But I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, he's been doing that the yeah. whole time, and so we, you know, I've worked on 21 features here, and so, okay. so the, so I think the the films have been here. Um, what's happening now is the government has realized the advantages of the the business side of it, okay. and um, and I think a lot of that happened because Gray launched a business called Graymark Productions that came here, set up, started started training the crew, and so it's it's all worked together, sure. and so I think that that um, Matt and Rachel returning this year is a sign, and about a couple years ago, is a sign that it is working because it's attracting really superstar people like Rachel, who's on a, a network television show, yeah. to come back here and, and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think we have to wrap up here in just a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Did I answer all your questions? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that Shannon's very happy with the question. I got Shannon's questions in about the Hall of Fame, so she's thrilled. Well, so, well, yeah, so, what, so what do you was think? Wonderful. Yeah. That was wonderful. Uh, that was the highlight of my, so what, what's my career. Like to get that phone call from her? We'll finish with that one. Yeah, exactly. What, what was it like to get that phone call from Shannon to say, Well, I got the phone call in. from uh, uh, Governor Anatomy. No who I just I had done a movie for, about the Chickasaw okay. Nation, and uh, so I got to know him, and... Uh, Amazing guy, I really. And I got, to, I was driving in my car. Yeah. And he said, uh, "Hey, this is Anatoly, Bill Anatoly, and I want you to be in the Hall of Fame." I almost wrecked the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I said in my acceptance speech that it's uh, important to me because the first thing is for me, not for. I mean, it's great getting awards for pictures that you work on. But it's, a movie is a lot of people, as you all know. Yeah. It's not just one person. And uh, they can't do it by themselves. It takes a whole team. And, uh, but to get that was, you know, I, mean, yeah. I guess my, my parents get some credit for it, maybe. <laughs> No, but I think super well-deserved, and I think the fact is it is a combo of how great you are as a filmmaker, but also how much you have given back to the state of Oklahoma by starting that film program and by encouraging all of us to be, you know, to go ahead and step into the dream and do, and do something that you feel passionate about, and I think it's just been great. You know, I've lived all over the world, and I've, I've lived in Switzerland, I've lived in the south of France, I've lived in Rome. I've lived in Palm Springs, I've lived in Beverly Hills, and I've been all over Asia and the Philippines and, uh, and uh, Singapore and uh, all, all those countries, Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I go to a place sometimes, I, there's a director friend of mine, Sidney Fury, every time he goes on location to a, a, a state, he says, Maybe I'll move here. Because <laughs> when you go to this new place, it seems so great. Yeah. And I think back of all the places. My wife, when she first came here, she cried every day. She said, what am I? Where am I? What is this place? <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> we, she, we heard the train whistle one night, and she started crying. I said, I'm in the 
people in nowhere. She didn't hear me. They don't hear train whistles in Encino, California. (laughs) And uh, so we were talking the other day. I said, so once once I croak, where are you you gonna go back? He said, no, I'm gonna stay in Oklahoma. It's a wonderful, it really is a wonderful place to live. And I'm so lucky and happy to be living here. And I'm I'm proud of uh, being from Oklahoma. Great way to finish. Uh, everyone, uh, Lance, I can't thank you enough for putting this together. And both of us, I know, will thank the Oklahoma Hall of Fame as well for putting this together. And, you know, wish you all the best for, for the rest of the week for Dead Center. And, yeah, thanks for everyone watching and listening. And we will catch you next episode. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Fun. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.